For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to another Absence Minded and it's me Patrick Bexel with a guest that I think I've been asking for about five years to get him back on the pod and he's been asked uh, from you guys to have a repeat performance as well and I think it was about five years ago David Saint-Louis that you joined us for a preview of the draft that time and now I've tricked you into joining me again to look at what Montreal should have as a first overall pick. Thank you, David. It's been great following you and your success all around the Twitter sphere and the elite prospect sphere. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. I don't do a lot of podcasts, but <laughs> I picked my spot. If you ask me for a while, I usually say yes after after five years. Yeah, <laughs> that's about <laughs> the time frame. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you you sit with so much knowledge. Uh, your work is incredible. The whole work of the team of, of Elite Prospects and, and the draft guide you have put together that was released this week. Fantastic. Um, it's a treasure, really, to have that. And, and uh, we're going to pick your brains a little bit. And, I mean, if you look at Montreal and what's been going through, and there's been rumors about, you know, uh, Slavkovsky, uh, Cooley, uh, Elite Prospects has another person on, on as second overall. But... but Shane Wright seems to be the clear first overall pick, right? Yes, he still is for us. The way we do our ranking is we vote on the top 10 prospects. And every time we did that exercise, Shane Wright came out on top. So he's really our clear number one. There was a time that it was up for debate, but I would say it was more like in November and January. After that, uh, Shane Wright's performance picked up and we just... There was really no one to challenge him all that much. We discussed other players, like you mentioned, uh, Slavkowski. We discussed Yuri Czech a lot in our, our chat for a while, but then he got injured. So the only one that remained was really Shane Wright for, for us. And I think we're more sure of this than other athletes. But yeah, there, he's not the... I think it's fine to have other candidates for the number one level spot. And I think others deserve that spot maybe too. But for us, it's pretty clear it's Shane Wright. What makes Shane Wright the, the, the first overall pick? Um, I think it's just his complete game. He's a center, so there's some bit of positional value, but we don't put too much stock into this. It's really his, in terms of upside and certainty, he has the highest upside and the most certainty in the, in the, in the draft too. So 
just based on that, it's easy for us to place him on number one. But it's also that even in terms of skill, he beats uh, a lot of other players in the draft too. He's an above average skater and above average handler in terms of projection, for sure. So when I say above average, I really mean that in five years, when we look at his skills, it's probably going to be above average in terms of handling, skating. His shot is has pretty special mechanics, but it's also above average for me. I think he's going to be a scorer in the NHL. And he has the defensive game, the uh, the ability to position himself on the ice offensively too. He really has the complete package and that special ability that makes him different than others, that off-puck game that many people talk about, he's the best in the draft in it. And by that, I mean, his, again, his ability to position himself, but not only defensively. I mean, the ability to anticipate puck rotations, the, the movement of teammates, movement of opponents, and position himself in a way to support teammates and <laughs> kill the play of, of the opposition. He's, his hockey sense received the highest grade in the draft. So in terms of anticipation, processing of the play, and uh, his ability to adapt to, when, when he, to pressure when he gets the puck, it's pretty high. So he has the hockey sense and above average skills. That's a pretty safe bet on num- number one overall. It doesn't mean that he's going to be the best player from this class, but from this class, when it comes to revaluing this draft in five years, maybe it's even probable that someone else in the draft is going to come up out, come out of nowhere and maybe beat, beat him. But with the information we have now, if we have to make a choice on the first overall pick, I really think it's Shane Wright. You, you mentioned someone popping up, and, and part of that would probably translate as well to Shane Wright starting in NHL next year. He, he either has to stay in juniors for another year or go to the NHL. He cannot start playing against men where we see players like Slavkovsky, Giricek, Nimic, uh, and uh, Kimmel as an example. We see in the Swedish trio from Djurgården having had that experience. Marco Kasper, one of my favorites, is, is also mm-hmm. one who has played against men uh, and, and can continue developing maybe at a little bit lower level. It's for right, it's NHL or juniors. How much? I mean, like yeah. that. That will hamper his development in some ways, and might make Slavkovsky, which which I think can have a bigger impact faster. I wouldn't say that's exactly the case. It, it's hard to predict, but I don't think it matters too much if you have right in the NHL next year, just because of his type of game. The only thing that we really have to learn is the pace of play. So <laughs> we've probably saw a lot of people talk about Wright's motor and his kind of low pace play. It was the same thing as Nick Suzuki in his draft year too. Um, that's the only thing you will really have to uh, learn when he gets to the NHL right now, because the rest of his game is pretty NHL ready. <laughs> He's already playing a type of game that would work in the He was already playing a type of game that would work in the NHL this year. So if he does join the NHL next year, I'm not sure he's going to produce a lot, but I have, I'm not worried about his ability to survive and even drive in some games against maybe weaker formations. Um, the thing with Slavkovsky is that he really drives when he gets like 20 minutes a night and a lot of puck touches and he's used as the main forward on the team, the, the carry forward and uh, the team revolves around him. And we saw that at a world championship, right. but he's not going to get that in the NHL <laughs> in his first year. Yeah. And he, he, that's, I think that's might be a problem for him. He has the physicality. He can play system hockey. He can go in front of the net and wreak havoc and screen for shots. He can play on the boards. And he has that kind of skills and his passing game is good enough that I, I could figure it out in year one. But 
he's not as adaptable as Shane Wright, and he doesn't. Uh, he's, he's going to need a, a proper setup for for him to succeed. And looking at Habs team next year, from what we know about it, I'm not sure he's going to get it from the start. So. Uh, if we think that, that he might be a pick for Montreal. So I think both players, could, you can make cases that they would fit the NHL next year. But right, it, it could be a good spot for him, the NHL next year, or he could go back to junior. And it, you could uh, you could do that. And it would be good for his development too, because he still needs to work on being the main play creator. So doing a bit of what Slavkowski does and taking the puck and really, really taking charge and creating, manipulating, learning to manipulate defenders and create plays for his teammates even better, uh, a bit like Nick Suzuki does. He still has to get better at this. He does it, but not as consistently. And it's something that an extra year in the OHL could really teach him. So I see our arguments for both, honestly. Um, there are two strong defenders coming out of this draft as well. Uh, there's more, but but in the top five, you got uh, Nemec and Giricek. Um Great to see, obviously, Central Europe bringing up some some great prospects again. Uh, what differentiates these two uh, defenders? And and you guys obviously have Jury Check as number two as well. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was a great debate for all this season. Yeah, and we just flip flop on them for a while, and then it was Jury Check for us for a while. Then he got injured and then the Mets they, uh, performed really well in the playoffs and at the world championship. So the debate was back on. Honestly, if Yurichek didn't get injured, I don't think it would be close between these two. I'm really a big fan of Yurichek, like probably the biggest out there. I had I had him as I as my 1B for a while during the season. He was the main co- contender for, for me for a while. I'm not sure everyone at EP shared that, that view, but I really, really liked him. What I like about Juracek is that he reminds me a bit of Marvitz Sider in his draft year. He's a bit older than Sider was, and his game is a little bit more refined than Sider was at the same point in time in both their draft years. Um, he's a very physical defender who can play a shutdown game, and he can also move the puck with short passes, move the puck by carrying it, and he has some offensive upside. I hear that he's more of an offensive defenseman. I don't really see that as much for him in the future. I think he's going to put up points, but his game is will probably be um, shutting down the opposition with his physicality, his range, and his pretty good skating overall, and making short passes to teammates, off the, picking up pucks off the walls and moving them quickly to teammates and on regroups, uh, finding the right options. Um, he has offensive skills, but it's really his ability to shut down that I, that I like, and he's very NHL projectable. Right now, the, the issue with him is really his decision-making. Uh, he has some wild sequences where he really tries to do too much, and that reminds me a bit of Simon Edvinson last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I, when I, I'm not, not going too, too much on a tangent here, but when I evaluate Hockey Sense, I don't care too much about decision-making as long as a player shows awareness, processing ability, and anticipation so even if the decisions right now aren't all that great i see him have some really high flashes of being aware of teammates under pressure of processing the position of defenders and teammates super quickly and making the right play so as long as a player has that i'm confident that the decision making is going to improve he's going to learn to balance risk and upside of certain play better as he ages so i think he's going to be an above average changer of the game in the nhl and Nemetz, <laughs> uh, Nemetz is more of the modern 
prototype NHL defenseman is really smooth on the ice. His handling skills, his skating skills are clearly above average. He's always moving. He's always activating with his teammates on breakouts, always moving along the blue line, the defensive zone, exchanging with teammates, with the great plays. He always aims to create, and he's much smoother than Yerichek in, in his skating stride. The hockey sense, I don't think it's as high in terms of projectable, um, in terms of a projectable thinking as Yerichek. I don't see him create advantages for his team as much as Yerichek, or he doesn't try it as much. And by that, I mean that he is really good at moving around the ice, but sometimes his moves can lack a bit of purpose. He's just moving to move. And that is going to work super well inside some teams. Like he's not going to get drafted by Toronto or the Lightning, but these are the types of teams that really instore a lot of movements in the offensive zone. And it would be super great inside those formations. But if he's asked to play a more, uh, more old school type of defense on some blue line uh, to defend uh, really physically and just make simple passes, he's, I think uh, there's a risk there that Nemets doesn't turn out to be the, the top four defenseman that everyone hopes. So I, I like to check more for his projectability than Nemets, but I think Nemets has better tools overall than you check. One player that we should really not forget and one that is making a little bit of a surge up the rankings uh, in different rankings is obviously Logan Cooley, uh, also a center, uh, skilled, but with the ever-present discussion about height. Um, you guys have him as number four. Um, I've seen him as high as number two. Um, is it only the height that brings him down or, or what is it? I think people overestimate his skill level. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to say this like this. I think he has above average skills across the board. Again, in terms of projection, some things right now need some refinement, but if you project him in five years, I think it's going to be above average compared to an average NHLer. Uh, but in terms of skating, there are better skaters than him in the draft too. Like I'm thinking about Lambert, even Frank Nazar is a better skater than him. Uh, he skates a bit hunched over. He has some mechanical problems. So I think his skill is going to be good enough for him to play the same kind of playmaking creation role that he has right now. But he's going to hit a ceiling in some aspects in the NHL. He won't be able to do the same thing Definitely won't be able to do the same things he did this season in the USHL. Uh, his competition was pretty low and his support was really great inside that team. So he had a bit of an easy time this season. That being said, he's obviously the, uh, one of the best, if not the best playmaker in the draft still in terms of ideas and the highlight, highlight, real, highlight real plays. He tries, he scored with a lacrosse goal at some point. Like He's very creative. And in terms of creative creativity, I'm not sure many other forwards beat him. Um, the, there was kind of a season in two parts for him. In the first part of the season, it was really funny because we just projected him as right light. He played the same type of game, like really efficient. He was just connecting simple, not necessarily simple play, but he was just a connector between his teammates' play. He would get the puck, move it quickly, and, and make uh, evident passes and play, uh, being more involved in, on the defensive side. He would, what would shine more about his game is his ability to position on the ice and to make the right decisions. And then he went to the world championship and everything changed. And then the second half of the season, he just became this wild offensive generator that would just 
Uh, I would try every play in the book constantly. And at first, I didn't like that about him. But then I realized that this helped him push his skill level to an, his skill to an extra level. So it really added to his game. He became, like I said, more creative. He learned to manipulate defenders a lot better. He's one of the better manipulators one-on-one in this draft. So when, when you, you think about his game, I think he when you when he will reach the NHL, it's going to be more of the Logan Cooley of the first half than the second half. So ultimately, I think his type of game will be closer to right than what it is right now in terms of uh, this highly creative player. He will still retain his creativity, but he will become more efficient, uh, better about choosing his plays, better about positioning, and still retain that part of creativity too. So yes, I like Logan Cooley, but there's a lot of dimensions to his projection, uh, a bit more uncertainty uh, because he's a high-level creator who doesn't have elite tools necessarily for me. And he had such a different game in the second half that I'm not sure where he will will end up necessarily, but I really like him. I had him also at fourth on my own board. Uh, Leaving the top picks for a bit, but... Montreal also has the 26th pick in the draft from Calgary in the Tyler Trafoli trade. Um, if you, and we, we, we're just going to like pretend that you can trade to a certain spot or trade for, to, to get the player you want somewhere around between 50, 10 and 20. Who would you take in that gap in order to, to maybe fill a need for Canadians or, or a really interesting prospect? If I could trade up, Okay. Um, I think uh, it depends if the Habs really want to take on a player like Brad Lambert, which I'm not sure because they tend to value um, character and players who play a greater side of game or active game. I'm not sure he's really their type, but he's the most skilled player in the draft. And if he does end up falling around the 20th spot, it could be one that it's a, it's a sound investment at some point in the draft. Sure, he carries more risk, but around the 20th spot, he his skating is elite. <laughs> I work for elite prospects, but we rarely use that term, elite. And Red Lambert is one of the better skaters that we've seen in the past few drafts. Like he is, it's that good in terms of agility, in terms of quickness, in terms of speed. Uh, he can beat any defender one on one if he just gets a bit of speed. Some parts of his game are not really projectable. Like he he needs a he needs more space to operate a bit, and decision making it's a bit problematic at times. But it's a bit like Yurichek. So he has some flashes of anticipation of really fast processing ability and awareness. So I don't really worry too much about this. It's going to fix itself. He if he wants to be, if he's open to coaching. And that might be another topic entirely. Yeah. But around the, around the, this spot, um, he's a pretty good investment. And if Frank Nazar does end up sliding like uh, many public outlets project him to, he would be, uh, <laughs> I would try everything in my power to trade up, even to like, if, if it's around the 15th spot and it costs a lot to move into the, the teens. I don't know what it would cost exactly, but I know that past draft tells you that it's a high price. It's still worth it. Like we have him at fifth overall. He, we gave him shades off. Well, when we do our graph guides, we do comparables, but it's more shades off because he's not going to be the exact same player and everyone understands this. And we compare him to, to Braden Point. Uh, and I think it kind of fits too because he has, Frank Nazar is a bit of a weird player. He 
is a smaller player, five foot nine, but he plays a really physical inside game. And he doesn't, he's not afraid to cut at the, in front of defenders in the slot to get, get his stick on, on pucks. He is really good along the walls. He always finds ways to move the puck, the puck that is sitting on the wall to one of his teammates because he protects it with his body and he's really good under pressure. And he has that creativity, that playmaking skills. He's a very complete player who, who, who really progressed during the year. So in September, we didn't have him as high as we have him now. Like we thought more of him as a second rounder even. And then he just kept adding to his game, kept improving during the year and massive improvements. Like it, it's really rare what we saw. We see this from a prospect. He started a year wanting to dangle everyone and then he stopped doing that and become a really efficient playmaker in the second half. And that almost never happens. So you see a, a player that is really progressing and he was injured in the last part of the year. So he didn't pop up at the U18 tournament as much, but he progressed and he was still good even when injured and he, his game projects very well to the NHL even arguably more so than Logan Cooley's, who has maybe a higher ceiling, but he has to add more elements to his game to make it NHL ready. Frank Nazar, if he can become more consistent, uh, he has a lot of NHL elements. So I would try my best to trade up for, to get him. And there are a bunch of other players. Our, our board is pretty different from, I think, most NHL ones, like players like Kale Odelius, uh, we really like... Um, the Owen Pickering is another player who has a massive upside, but is really far from the NHL right now. He's he just grew like another four inches, I think, in the summer or something <laughs> like this. And he's very tall and it affects his coordination. He can't make the plays he wants right now, but if he adds to his frame, he has a top pairing potential. So there are a lot of interesting options in the teams that might even fall all the way to the hab spot at 26. So might not even need to trade up necessarily. Speaking about the, the 26 pick, uh, if you look at your list around that time, um, oh God, I, I have to, I have to scroll here because obviously I'm, I'm watching it at the same time. Um, <laughs> but, but who would you take at that point? Because there are a few really interesting players. They are further along and I'm going to try not to, to, to talk about Europeans now because you know, I get all excited and, and all that with, with all the Europeans, even the ones from Uruguay and, which I don't really like, but <laughs> but there there are some interesting picks around this area that that could you know really go very far. And I think for you guys, you have uh, Gauthier as uh, it's heavily, uh, yeah, <laughs> which might actually rise in in the class because of his name, because his father, so? his father is former player as well. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Nah. Well, yeah, yeah. We have um, at the twenty-six spot. There was one player that I think is going to be there and perhaps shouldn't miss. It's Owen Beck. Uh, <laughs> we absolutely and, and why love him. Shouldn't, why shouldn't Montreal miss him? Because he okay. So, so if you draft right at first overall, you kind of get a semi-similar player as right at the twenty-six spot. So that might not work because Owen Beck is very similar to Shane Wright. He is another efficient centerman who plays a really sound defensive game with flashes, really high playmaking skills at times, but this is not often enough this season. If he just produced more and if he flashed that playmaking ability more often, he would have risen on our board even more like in the top 15, top 14, something like this. He's just like such a complete player. He, he is, his game projects easily to the NHL and we like this, but he has upside because of those flashes of playmaking. He's a really smart 
player positionally too, uh, in terms of um, away from the puck, both offensively and defensively. So just like right, he positions himself inside pockets of space. He anticipates the game. He supports players well. He's very physical. He has smaller skills. He can protect the puck. He can move the puck out of scrums with his body and, and his passing skills. A lot of NHL tools and a projectable game and upside too. So I think the NHL will be way more interested in him. He just scored at a point per game. He fell a bit below that point per game mark, but it was just inexplicable. Like he, his point all doesn't reflect his talent. And I'm sure of that. Interesting. And, and well, there is this thing with, with picking another center further down the, the draft order in, in the first round, which, yeah, we can see Montreal not going that way. Uh, Obviously, and I'm going to stick to European then just because I promised I wouldn't. But uh, <laughs> but Heverlead, I'm not the hugest fan of Heverlead. It might be because yeah. because uh, of his club affiliations and, and all that and his father's club affiliations as well. AIK and Djurgården are, are like, they're from Stockholm. So obviously the rest of Sweden don't like them. But now, jokes aside, uh, really interesting defender. Uh, one of the leaders of that Sweden under 18 team um and and what can you say about him i really like Havilid, but i also think we have him a bit high uh the issue is that when he came to make our board it was hard to put other players above him so it's just an upside pick usually at the prospects we tend to balance like projectability and upside so we don't just value upside the reason we have players like casper and ogren ogren kai um it's because they also have projectable games it's the same for back those players also have upside, but they have projectable games. In terms of Matthias Havelid, it's more a pure upside pick because there's a chance he doesn't make the NHL. He's uh, in the offensive zone. He's a blue line shooter. He just fires pucks after pucks on that all the time. But what really impressed me about him down the stretch, and it's the same thing for Jimmy Hamrin, our Swedish scout, it's his puck moving ability. At the World Junior Championship, well, championship under 18, sorry. Um, he was really good with moving pucks off the back wall to teammates. He was capable of holding for checking pressure. So he was capable of evading it and finding teammates in open eyes. He would hold the puck an extra second to let teammates uh, create a bit more space for themselves. And then he would feed them the puck. He was real great about using his back end to seem really comfortable with that facet of his blade. And it's not the case for all the uh, defenseman in his draft. His handling sk- handling skills are really high in terms of technique. Like his technique is perfect. He we project him as a puck mover who is going to have some struggles on the defensive side. Although for a small defenseman, he's pretty good at leveraging his weight along the boards. Like he can pin opposing players. Uh, he can get under them. It's just off puck. Sometimes he misses attackers uh, running behind him. He's not as engaged sometimes. So. He's an offensive defenseman with a lot of puck moving upside who skates well enough. He's not like an elite skater, but we gave him like a five or six grade, which means average to above average, who can leverage his weight and move the puck. There's a lot of upside elements in, in, in all of that. So we really like him. He's just a bit more uncertain than other players. So who are like looking into the second round and third round who are your favorite players? And, and could you give us a pick that you think is a steal down that road? Yes, definitely. Um, even at the 26 pick, like there are players that are going to fall that are pure upside, like Jager Furkus, who's a 
149 pounds, six foot, uh, five, five foot nine, really great shooter. Who, who when don't, he puts don't Montreal up, already have one of those? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but he's a bit bigger than <laughs> Caulfield. If you're thinking of him, he he has some playmaking elements too. It's just that he's really he's probably further in his maturing and physical development than other players in this draft. So he's your high upside pick, and he might fall to the second round. Uh, Danila Yurov, he's a Russian, so because of the Russian factor that we won't get into, but <laughs> probably understand, he's going to fall probably in the second round. Uh, Noah Oslin, uh, who's kind of a shifty uh, rusher uh, with the puck. He's a bit like Lambert in some aspects, but he's also a really smart player, and he's just very, very light, too. He doesn't have a, a physical or inside game. He's more of a player who sticks on the periphery right now, but when he adds weight, maybe his game changes because he's also pretty great at supporting the play. He can beat defenders one-on-one -on -one between blue lines and get the puck in the offensive zone. He's a pretty good playmaker too. There's upside there. And my my one player was really like uh, maybe hidden from most other <laughs> most, most other lists is Hunter Height, who's an OHLer who didn't score a bit like Owen Beck, but he flashed some insane skill this season. He had some of the best sequences we've seen from a draft eligible player. And I think he had like maybe 40 or 45 points, maybe more. I don't really remember his point totals, but he didn't, he didn't get close to the point per game mark that we usually like for a draft eligible player. And somewhere in the second round, this guy could really explode next year. He's pretty good defensively. Uh, offensively, he's good at supporting the play, but it's really his playmaking skills. He can manipulate defenders, deceive them, and he had some really slick passes this season. Again, it comes down to consistency. We just didn't see it enough to really put him in the first round. And we already have him pretty high at like 34, I think, for a player that is more projected to be a bit lower in the draft. But he's really a, a secret, I think, at the NHL draft. Someone well, you should bet on. He's not a secret anymore because, David, your work and, and, and your insight and, and the way you're describing the the skills of these players it makes us all you know just want to learn more and and it's great to hear you going i know we have and i'm going to go into this european stuff again i'm sorry for every listener that is bothering with me uh, bothered about me but you I and like i like europeans uh, you and i have a little bit of a different opinion about liam bichel oh yeah yeah because it's, i it's think be. he's i think He's just a big guy that hits everything he can. And there has been some really dirty plays from him over the last season. I know you like him a lot more. Yeah, like all those nice plays, in fact. <laughs> it really depends on what you value. Like, this is a player who I think we see the same exact player. It's just in terms of projecting him. You don't like him as much because probably of the, those plays and the decision making. Sometimes the puck skills aren't all that great. They're, they're average. Like, they, they, you make some nice plays especially on breakouts in the offensive zone. He can complement plays, uh, support plays, and he can make some simple passes, I would say, but also some nicer passes through the defensive layers. He can hit teammates sometimes uh, in the slot in the offensive zone. So he has those flashes, but mostly he's a big guy who defends. And he defends really violently with <laughs> more than an edge. Like, it's, it's dangerous, I would say, even. But... NHL coaches are going to love that. And I, I can see that people love him. <laughs> I just think his decision-making, as you mentioned, or hockey IQ, whatever we're going to drag into all these things, 
it's 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 limited i was going to say limited but not very high fine <laughs> yeah we gave it a five i think in our scale is like one to nine and five is average but i could see like a below average grade slightly the, the the question is will it matter too much if his decisions aren't all that great if he just follows the system and like he makes uh, simple passes when he has teammates open and he just rims the puck when it, and on breakouts when no one is open and he just does that safely and relatively smartly as long as he plays his shutdown game well let's talk about it a bit like big still has projectable average skating ability and he's six foot four i think six foot yeah, five yeah. he has a really long reach too and he's very physical so he can he's cover big. a lot of ice <laughs> yeah just just with his presence i can guarantee you that he, that attackers was going to want to move to the other side of the ice not face him directly because there there's a chance they, they might uh get hurt if he if they choose his side of the ice to attack so just that presence and the fact that he's really engaged too he's just not not a uh He's not a player who just likes to hit and will get himself out of position to hit all the time. He does it a bit right now, but I think this will go away in this game. He's going to be smarter about his decisions, when to use his stick and when to use his, his frame. And the fact that he cares so much about his defensive game and that he's already so good at it for such a young player in the SHL. If he gets good enough in his shutdown game, it's going to reflect on the, the possession stats like a Corsi and all of this because... He's going to break plays really fast and it's going to tell his teammates to get on the attack after that. So th that's my view of Bixell, but I can understand the other argument that maybe his puck plays are not going to develop sufficiently for him to be uh, a good enough offensive driver in the NHL and it's just going to hurt his team. And maybe his upside is limited to bottom pairing role, a number six role. I see him more as a four, five, six projection. And but just the fact that he's so close to the NHL already in terms of yeah. some facet of his game, that's why we have him in the first round. But again, we value upside, but also certainty and projection. We balance those two. And also, and and uh, it's something that you know a, a lot of people uh, don't really know about, and and we talk about it on Ice on the Price, and you and I speak about it all, all the time. I think, but since he, I can see him going in the first round. I don't think he should be there. But I can see him going in the first round. He will He's going also... to top twenty. He's going yeah. to top twenty, I think. Uh, I, I, <laughs> that, that might I'm, be too I'm, high, but I, I'm pretty sure. I, I won't. I won't bet against it, David. I would definitely not <laughs> bet against you. Uh, but he can be placed in the AHL as well, uh, yeah. because he's a first rounder, and that makes him a very interesting pick. Because either I, I would say either you take him in the first round to do just that, or he's going to fall further down into mid second round because then he will have to play in Sweden for the next two years. I think he has a two year contract. I'm not sure, but, but at least for next season, uh, um, he, he will be in Sweden and that might, Lexan is a really good team. Uh, Heinemann, obviously that the Montreal just signed uh, comes from there. Uh, but it also limits maybe that progression that you would want to see and, in, in a player like Bichel to adjust into the North American game. Yes, and he has a game that's more tailored to North American heist because uh, attackers have less space to escape along the boards on the smaller ice, so maybe it would just be better in the AHL. Uh, one way or another, I think he's going to find his way to the NHL. I wouldn't bet against that. It's just the upside. I don't know what role he's going to find to fill. Mm -hmm. Sorry. 
No, not at all. And, and I, I love the fact to, to hear and, and challenge each other's ideas. So I, 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 I'm all <laughs> for that. Um, you're a scout, obviously, for the prospect uh, for the queue. Which player out of the queue would you really consider this time? Because we haven't really spoken about any player out of the queue. And, and it is at the back, background or backyard of, of uh, Montreal really now with Trois-Rivastas as well. Yes. Um... I wasn't a big fan of the queue this year. Uh, <laughs> we had Nathan, Nathan Gaucher, sorry, a, a bit too low at the start of the year. And now he's at 25 for us, which is a good spot for him. So with the second uh, first round pick of Montreal, he's a really good target too. But I think he's going in the top 20 to some team. Not sure who, but he has a lot of, uh, he's very projectable. Again, you know, the upside, maybe he's more of a third liner, third liner or middle six guy. But he has the physicality, um, the above average skating, and the above average size. And he can make um, some really nice passing plays. Again, I can always come back to small area skills, the ability to get the puck out of pressure, out of scrums to teammates. And he's really good at that too. And he can work the front of net, work the boards. He has those skills. He cannot, he's an easy, easy player to project. So that gives him a lot of value to NHL teams. So I think he's going to be gone by the time Montreal pick at 26. Um, there's a player that I think might fall. I've been predicting that. I'm not sure, but uh, Tristan Luneau uh, really didn't have a good season in terms of um, showing his upside to NHL teams. He was, I think he focused mostly on defense this season because last year he had some really nice flashes of uh, offensive ability. He's very agile as a, as a defenseman. He can take pucks in movements and walk the blue line. He's He can use the, those 10 and 2 or heel to heel moves against uh, approaching defenders or four checkers and beat them with a fake and a weight chef and move around them he's really good at this but he's a lot more effective when he already has speed his quickness and his straight line speed to catch up to opponents or beat them of the rush there are not uh they're not great right now we gave his skating a below average mark even though he's super agile because he's pretty not heavy on his skates but he doesn't have those light feet that we like from Puck moving defenseman and on breakouts he wasn't really good this season either he he's really good when he has his options in front of him so on regroups when the puck escapes the when the puck moves out of the offensive zone and he has to get his team back in the offensive zone and he can make those passes he's really good when he has options there same thing at the at the point in the offensive zone when he can see his teammates where they're moving he is good at creating lanes to them and hit, hitting them really fast but when uh, he has his back turn and he has to retrieve a puck, his game was not very efficient uh, this season. He had trouble evading pressure, again, because of the skating, but also a bit of a lack of awareness. Those things are fixable, but the, it's just because of that, his game carries a little more risk than other players. So I think maybe he falls to the end of the second round. Um, that's possible. And there's Maverick Lamour, uh, who I really, really like. He's one of my favorite players in the draft. We have him at the end of the second round on our board because, again, his game is pretty uncertain. Uh, he's a six foot seven or eight defenseman. I'm not sure anymore. Six foot six. He's a really, really big guy who's very, <laughs> just like when Pickering, he grew a lot uh, over the past year still. So it's, it was hard for him this season to find his footing and 
handle the puck as smoothly as he did last year. There were still the same flashes of playmaking ability, of being able to beat opponents one-on-one. And he's very physical and even mean defender in his zone. Like he knows how to use his size and he's not afraid to use a stick on the back of <laughs> on the back of flares to gain the puck back. So he has some mean elements. He can move the puck and he has some manipulation abilities one-on-one, but those are only flashes. His game is really, really far from the NHL right now. He, he has awareness problems. Uh, the puck tends to get away from him a bit. Um, his defensive footwork, sometimes he really commits on defense. So he was going to rush at a player who has the puck, but he leaves someone else behind. So you have to work with him both on the on the reads, uh, both with and without the puck, and on the technical ability. But just like other players, he's probably further in his physical development than than sorry, a player like Nathan Gaucher, who is almost fully developed already. So add a few pounds to his frame, more time to really settle into his final form, like get adjusted to his height and initial development, and he might turn into a top four defenseman. It's possible. It's just a more of a long shot than other defensemen in this draft. And there's someone I can talk about that I know uh, you guys really like at Eyes on the Prize, and it's Jordan Dumais, or Jordan Dumais. I think he is from English roots, so <laughs> that might be more appropriate. But he's, we, we um, like, we'll, let's not tell Matt that. <laughs> <laughs> we have him. I'm not sure. I have to, I'd have to check on his elite prospects page, you know, where he was born. But anyway, we understand what who we're talking about. Uh, he's a small forward, five foot nine, who's not a great skater, but who's really smart. Uh, we talk about Wright's ability to position away from the puck, and Dume has a bit of the same ability, maybe to a lesser extent slightly, but it's close still. He can link plays together because he's positioned inside space. He arrives at the right time. He can come, he can support plays very well. And his passing game is pretty advanced too. So he can move the puck quickly, but also hold it to create passing lanes to teammates. He can deceive defenders. So he has the playmaking element and the off puck moving ability. So the, the hockey sense is pretty high. It's just that will he be able to play his game in the NHL as it is? The answer is absolutely no. He's not a projectable player right now but he's scoring a lot. And that always hides some things that we might not understand about his game that uh, maybe he's a more projectable guy than I give him credit for right now, but there are enough uh, smartness, enough hockey sense and enough passing skills and ability to support position and enough energy in his game that he could take those abilities and build on it to create an NHL game. But right now he's really far from that. So he's more of a third round bat for me, but a really good one and a really fun player to, to, to watch too. I really like watching him this year. You've been listening to former Eyes on the Price contributor and alumnum, uh, David San Louis. You find him at David ST underscore Louis on, on Twitter. You find him at Elite Prospects. David, it's been fabulous to have you on it again. I hope I don't have to wait another five years to get you on, though. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I know directly we post this, people are going to ask for you when you've been ne- on next time, but I'll, I'll, give, I'll give it a year and uh, hopefully you'll accept <laughs> it at that point. <laughs> it can be a shorter span of time. I'm getting more comfortable making, doing podcasts. Like I used to be, not be very comfortable at them. Now, uh, after doing more of them, I feel more comfortable saying I like doing those. So yeah, I should be back uh, in a shorter span of time. (laughs) We're looking forward to have you on, David. Again, thank you for taking time out of your day to do this. 
Uh, we appreciate it enormously. I know the, the listeners and the readers will appreciate it as well. Uh, I hope that uh, you take a check on Elite Prospects and uh, see if you can buy the guide. It's it's worth it. Uh, it's going to take about five years to get through it, but uh, yes. but it's it's so comprehensive and so well um, a, a foundation for everything that makes you understand hockey in a different way. Really, really great. Uh, thank you again, David, and and uh, best wishes for the weekend. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.